Tappers, what's up? It is the Tuesday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope you're doing well. We are in the mix. I am very excited to talk to you today. We have a lovely show. We are going to talk about the Packer offense against the New Orleans Saints defense and why I think the Packers offense can do similar things to the Saints and then some in their game on Sunday. We will also talk about the Milwaukee Brewers and why I was just a little concerned if Philadelphia gets to the playoffs. And then lastly, we will talk about the return of Chuck's Corner, uh, where I'm just giving you some personal information about myself. We're We're just shooting the breeze. It's a spot for me to maybe bitch. It's a spot for me to sort of bear my heart. I don't have a therapist anymore. It's been a while. Um, So I'm looking for that outlet, and this is what it's going to provide. Um, Something I'm trying to do probably three three to five times a week. I don't think it's going to be every every podcast, but it's something I'm going to do pretty regularly. Something I know you guys have liked in the past. I just want to have like regular segments. You know, Ryan Rosillo, who I look up to, has life advice. Bill Simmons, Parent Corner. Um, Part of my take has a ton of segments, right? So I want to bring back Chuck's Corner. That's a segment I think we can get used to at least three times a week. Also, as for the Packers, a um, couple things we're doing this year a little differently. So I used to do star ratings on the blog, something I did for a long, long time. It's something I've done for a few years. But Star Ratings is becoming a podcast. It will be a podcast that we'll do probably Tuesday. I'm yet to figure out the logistics of it all. Um, and you guys can let me know, like by Tuesday, are you done talking about the Green Bay Packers or do you still want to talk about it? Because we could do Star Ratings on Monday. It would just be a really long fucking podcast because I, I want to react to the game, but I guess then afterwards we can do Star Ratings and anything else we missed that isn't Packer related later on that Sunday and Monday because we're going to try to tape right after the right after the games. I say this all the fucking time, but I, we are going to try to. I It's hard sometimes, I'll be honest, because when this is not a full-time job, you are not required to get to your computer immediately after. Sometimes I like to see what the night games do um, as they sometimes impact Packers. But in this case, I will try to get the podcast out in a, I would say I wouldn't say record speed, but we are we are going to try to get the podcast out pretty damn early after the game is over. So that's what I'm going to work towards, and hopefully nothing gets in our way. Like if I would have done the show a little bit later yesterday, I think the Jack Cohen conversation will be a lot larger. It's a topic I want to save for the Notre Dame Wisconsin week, but it's something we'll talk about a lot as we get closer to that, and something I think we'll keep our eye on throughout the college football season. But we are not talking college today. We are talking about the Green Bay Packers, and we are talking about this Packer offense against the New Orleans Saints defense. So let's get into it. The New Orleans Saints defense, not a ton has changed from last year. You know, they lost Alex Lazzoni. They lost Trey Hendrickson. They lost a few other guys who are no longer on that team. Those are kind of the notable ones. Janoris Jenkins, another name who is no longer on the New Orleans Saints roster. Um, and so they are, they're a little bit different, but they're they're pretty similar, right? They bring Cameron Jordan still there. Marcus Davenport, Quan Alexander, Demario Davis, Malcolm Jenkins still fucking playing football, which is crazy. Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Williams. Like, they, they got dudes, right? Like, the Saints are not a bad defense. Sometimes I think the Saints 
have a bad reputation as a bad defense. They they never really are. Dennis Allen is a good defensive coordinator. He's been that coordinator for quite some time now. And the Packers did shred the Saints in their last matchup. The Packers put up 37 points against the New Orleans Saints on the road. Yes, it was a very diluted uh, Superdome crowd. I think they only had a friends and family. If that, I can't remember, but it was not the Superdome crowd that we were grown accustomed to. It was not a night game in New Orleans, which are virtually impossible to win, but the Green Bay Packers did it. Some could say that's fraudulent. Be my guess. But 37 points against this defense is, is a major accomplishment. Aaron Rodgers had 283 yards. He had three touchdowns. He was sacked once. He had a QBR of 89. He had a quarterback rating of 24.9. Rodgers was in his bag, and he did not have Devontae Adams in this game. And that, to me, is a huge X factor for this one because Devontae Adams was not playing in this game, and Alan Lazard last year went off. If you remember, this was Alan Lazard's coming out party, the 72-yard pass that he caught six catches 146 yards on eight targets it was the alan lazard game if if you had to kind of give it a name if we were doing an nfl films or something like that it'd be the alan lazard game because that was the game we all got to know about alan lazard and so alan lazard did that without Devonte adams out there he was the number one receiver he took over that role there was so much uncertainty could the packers do it without without uh, Adams and were they going to be able to do it and they did and so now you have Devontae Adams back who will be usually lined up against Lattimore and he's going to go to work Aaron Rodgers was able to shed Lattimore and the Saints defense without a guy like uh, Adams what can he do with him 37 points without Adams that seems crazy to me. It seems like something that Green Bay can really benefit from. I think Devontae Adams is a guy to watch in this game. And the Saints secondary is a little bit banged up. Ken Crawley doesn't look like he's going to play on Sunday. He was questionable. He hurt himself in preseason. Uh, it looks like they're going to go with Desmond Trufant, who they just signed uh, from the waivers and from kind of the scrap heap. Desmond Trufant was good three or four fucking years ago. He hasn't been good for a while. Devontae Adams made him toast in Detroit. There's no reason he can't make him toast again. And then you have that Lazard guy we talked about, right? Lazard's going to have a big day again. He's going to be able to eat, especially if they are limited at cornerback. If Lattimore is going to be sort of the shadow on Adams and stick with Adams, then that means there's going to be much more for Lazard to play with. And then, oh, by the way, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, everybody is hyped up about this year. Everybody is riding the MVS train. And A, for good reason. B, it's his contract year. C, he had one catch for five yards in this game. So the the sum of all parts for Green Bay is a lot greater than what you dealt with last year. Now, I know David Bakhtiari played, and that can be a little bit of an issue, right? The offensive line for the Green Bay Packers looked a lot different than the one that the Packers will be bringing out next year. You have, or the, next year, that the Packers will be bringing out on Sunday. You have Elton Jenkins, you will have John Runyon, likely, you will have Josh Myers, Royce Newman, and then Billy Turner. Now, Billy Turner and Jenkins, the same three new guys. Now that's going to take some time. I expect the Saints to bring the house. Like I do not expect the Saints to take it easy 
on the Green Bay Packers. They are going to bring the fucking heat, I think, early on. Now, blitzing Aaron Rodgers is never usually a good idea, but I do think they're going to try to rattle him early, and they're going to try to get in his cage early and often and see if they can kind of fluster that new look offensive line. I do not have concerns about the offensive line. I've kind of said it on other podcasts that I'm only really concerned a little bit about the interior pass rush. But the guys there, I mean, DeMario Davis is really good. Uh, he can get definitely get after the passer on the inside, but no Sheldon Rankins. You have Malcolm Roach and Shy Tuttle in the middle. I don't they don't scare me, right? Like part of their defensive line is Montrevis Adams and Christian Ringo. Amazing that Christian Ringo is still fucking playing. I I cannot believe it. I was stunned when I saw that on the uh, Saints step chart. So they don't really have the guys inside that I worry about. Cameron Jordan, you're going to see a lot of Cameron Jordan on either Turner or Jenkins. I would imagine you're going to see him mostly on Turner, um, being on the left side if we're doing our, our defensive lines the right way. And then Davenport will be on Jenkins. I think Jenkins will be able to handle his own. I'm not worried about Elton Jenkins at all. I think the novices or the people who don't pay attention to the Green Bay Packers are worried about the Packers' offensive line. It's no disrespect to them, but it's just they don't understand what Elton Jenkins is. Elton Jenkins is one of the best offensive linemen in football. He might be one of the most underrated players in football um, because he just is a guy that will be good no matter where you put him. It will be a rare case if Elton Jenkins has a rough day. But yes, the guys inside could have some trouble. It could We could see them kind of fatigue and wear down if this game's close down the stretch. But I'm not really concerned about Aaron Rodgers facing a pass rush. We did see it against Tampa Bay without Bakhtiari. We did see it a little bit in that last Bears game. But the Packers will be able to plan for it. They've had all fucking training camp to plan for it. If the Packers don't have a plan for to deal with a pass rush and deal with a young interior line, then I don't know what the fuck they did for the last month. Straight up. Like if they don't if they didn't figure this out, if they didn't have this together, that's a big red X on Matt LaFleur and the Green Bay Packer offense. But because Matt LaFleur is a psycho, I doubt that the Green Bay Packers did not think about this. Of course they probably thought about it. Now we haven't really talked too much about the running game. It's mostly because I don't really expect much. If if Aaron Jones does what he did last year, he had 13 carries, 69 yards, 4.2 yards a carry, I have wood. Like that to me is fine against the Saints running rush defense. It's one of the best in football. It's been that way for the last few years. They had some crazy streak about not allowing a 100-yard rusher. So that to me is a fine performance from Aaron Jones um, in week one. I do not expect Aaron Jones to go off. The Saints are very tough in the run defense category. Now, how many snaps will you see from A.J. Dillon? How many snaps you will see for Kalen Hill? I don't know. I, I, I really don't. Um, that, to me, is the biggest thing to watch when it comes to running backs, is how much are you going to get from Kalen Hill and A.J. Dillon? Are they going to get five snaps? Are they going to get 10 snaps? Are they gonna, is they even getting up to 15? I mean, we saw what A.J. Dillon did against Tennessee down the stretch, but just because he did that against Tennessee, we did not really see A.J. Dillon get released in the playoffs. So we'll see if there the tune changes there. I know the Packers have been really good about sort of keeping 
Aaron Jones at bay, if you will, to kind of manage his touches, which I think is the smart move. A lot of fantasy people get all cranky about that and say, Aaron Jones doesn't get enough touches. Aaron Jones this. I'll definitely have to do a mini keg on that, by the way. That's on TikTok and Instagram usually. We'll definitely have to do a mini keg on the fantasy world versus the Green Bay Packers and with the, in regards to Aaron Jones. Because the Packers are right 105% of the time. And the fantasy world just misses the fucking mark every year on Aaron Jones. It is one of the most frustrating things as a Packer fan is to watch Aaron Jones get like, not necessarily Aaron Jones, it's more Matt LaFleur, get ragged on Twitter for not using Aaron Jones more. You're going to see a dose of A.J. Dillon. You're going to see maybe a little bit of Kalen Hill. They used Tyler Irvin a lot in this in the, the meeting last year. Will Kalen Hill be sort of that Tyler Irvin, or will they look to someone else to maybe fill that role? We didn't talk too much about the tight ends. We had a we had a real sort of good performance against New Orleans last year. You had Tanyan with five catches and 50 yards with a touchdown. You had Jay Sternberger, who had three catches for 36. You had Big Dog, who had one catch for 18. That was a touchdown. So that was a pretty good output from your tight ends. If you're if you're doing the math at home, you're looking at 104 yards and nine catches in total from the tight end position against the Saints last year. They don't really have a lot that can stop that tight end position. You look at Malcolm Jenkins and he is dirt. I would have never guessed in the world that Malcolm Jenkins is only 33. Malcolm Jenkins is the same age as me. Right? Like, that's kind of like a whoa. Like, Joey Porter's kid was playing for Penn State. That was also a whoa moment. But Malcolm Jenkins being the same age as me, wow. Like, the beard alone, I'm like, how how is that possible? Like, I think if I grew as long of a beard as Malcolm Jenkins did, I would probably have a lot of salt. Like, I right now have kind of a, a strong stubble, if you will. And there's grays. I have grays on the side. Like, I do have grays. So maybe I would be the same as Malcolm Jenkins. But I thought Malcolm Jenkins for sure was 33 or, or 36 or 37, not 33. Regardless... He got toasted last year by Tanyan, Sternberger, and Lewis. Expect some of the same. I think you will have Tanyan doing a lot. Obviously, Sternberger suspended, so that will be Mercedes Lewis. Maybe a Josiah DeGuerra moment. We'd love one of those. I also love Dominique Daphne. Uh, Murph and I have a lot of Daphne stock. More Murph than I, to give him credit. But we both have a little bit of Daphne stock. So I think Daphne... Could have a moment as well. It wouldn't surprise me at all if the Packers kind of abused the Saints using their tight ends like they did last year. So if it wasn't obvious to obvious already, I feel pretty good about this Green Bay offense against the Saints defense. You put up 37 points against the team who's pretty much the same as last year, and now you also add Devontae Adams into the mix. Like, what's to say you can't get 50? I mean, probably not, right? It's NFL. You don't usually get 50 points in an NFL game. But regardless, you feel pretty good about what the Packers have on offense going into week one. Moving on to baseball. So the Brewers got absolutely shit-pumped today in at American Family Field. 12-0. It really wasn't that much of a blowout. I mean, it was a blowout, right? Because it was 4-0 pretty early. Zach Wheeler was dominant. 
He's been bad really for about over a month. Like Zach Wheeler has not been good for a while. The oil was leaking. It was like, what really is Zach Wheeler? Is he's definitely not a Cy Young contender, and he outdueled Brandon Woodruff. Brandon Woodruff could not keep the ball in the yard. He allowed three home runs, and just did not have the stuff that you come to expect Brandon Woodruff to have on a daily basis. So the floodgates opened later. Uh, wasn't the best performance from the Brewers. They, you could argue maybe a little hungover from their big win against the St. Louis Cardinals on Sunday. Coincidentally enough, the Cardinals team who got their heart shattered on Sunday only put up one run against Max Scherzer on Monday. Even though the Dodgers came into town on very short rest, it did not matter for LA. They did not give one shit. But the Brewers dropped another game to the Phillies. They've now lost five straight games against the Philadelphia Phillies. At this point, you can say the Philadelphia Phillies are the one team that is the thorn in their side against the Brewers. And it's not, it's weirdly not surprising to me. I know that sounds weird, right? But I was looking at this team and I was like, okay. I, I was actually golfing with Murph and we had the game on, which, by the way, like as an aside, those speakers, he has a bush now, right? And they're like 150 bucks. You put it on your on your golf cart. It's Bluetooth. You are able to basically you get the marker to see how far you're away from. It's a tracker, which is great. So it's like 170 out. You know what kind of golf club to hit, but you can also listen to music or listen to a podcast or listen to you know the the Brewer game, and that's what we listen to. And it was really relaxing. And I'm like, why didn't I do this every Sunday for basically the entire summer? Like now it's football season, I won't do this. But every sat Sunday, I should have been out on the golf course just listening to the Brewer game and enjoying myself. Go I, usually you can't golf solo on a Sunday, but maybe, who knows? All right, let's reset here with Philadelphia. So as noted, Philadelphia would not be a good matchup for the Brewers because they have a lot of guys that seem to kill the Brewers. Gene Segura, former Brewer, always seems to put up good numbers against them. Bryce Harper has good numbers against the Brewers, seems to always feel himself. Brad Miller has haunted the Brewers ever since the Brewers got rid of him. Uh, Freddie Galvis, somehow, someway, has had some moments. Zach Wheeler, now two really good starts against the Brewers. That would be the ace in the playoffs. And the Phillies are not far away from being a team that will be in the playoffs. They are one and a half games back of the Atlanta Braves. They are two back of the wild card with the Padres. The best case scenario would be the Phillies to get into that wild card game against the Dodgers because then the Brewers would avoid them to the championship series. If the Phillies were to win the division, I'm not saying it would be a nightmare, but I need to see something from the Brewers in these next couple games to give me a little bit of confidence. If they lose six out of seven to Philadelphia, you got to kind of push the panic button. Like you, you can't just like ignore this, right? It happened in May. You can say what you want. You can say, all right, and Christian Yelich was hurt. Lorenzo Cain just come back from an injury. Like I understand this Brewers team in early May looked a lot different, but when you have Cy Young Award winners, or Cy Young Award winners, Cy Young Award contenders in Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, who I think all pitched in that series, none of them came away with a win. You have to be a little bit concerned about what you're facing with the Phillies. And hopefully the Brewers can kind of put it all together in these next two games. Now they got their asses kicked against St. Louis um, on Friday night. And then on Saturday, they bounced right back. 
Eric Lauer, who's going up against the team who hits lefties all right, against Aaron Nola, and Aaron Nola has been absolutely awful on the road. Aaron Nola has been a terrible road pitcher all season. I think it's a guy the Brewers can take advantage of tonight. Then you get Kyle Gibson on Wednesday. Kyle Gibson has not been that good since coming over from Texas and has not been a trade that has worked out yet for the Phillies. So again, another player where maybe you can take advantage of him. You get Freddie Peralta, who's finally kind of back in his rotation, hopefully feeling good from that shoulder injury and ready to roll. So all is not lost here. I'm not like pushing the entire panic button. I think if the Brewers get swept or the Brewers lose two out of three, then I will say like, yeah, Philly's probably one of the last teams the Brewers wants to want to face. So one team that in the playoff picture, they have struggled with. Like the Dodgers, they won series against. The Padres, they won a series. They won two series against them. The Cincinnati Reds, I've, they've been pretty good against the Reds. They've been pretty good against the Cardinals. Yes, they lost the series against the Mets, but I think the Mets are so far out that I can't really be concerned about what the Mets are right now. I just can't. Like that's that's not not a, a concern to me. But the Phillies are, and the Phillies need to be taken seriously. And I I think this team is good, not great. I think the Braves are better. I I, I just do. I don't really see a pathway to the Phillies getting there. But you never know, right? Baseball is such a crazy sport in terms of how something looks right now in early September can completely change by the end of end of the season. It's just it's just kind of how it goes, man. So to look at the strength of schedule to kind of finish out the season at this juncture, Right now, the Brewers have the easiest schedule to finish off the season, by the way. The Phillies have the eighth hardest. So the Phillies are definitely not out of the woods here. The Phillies definitely have one of the more difficult schedules down the road. So maybe we're not worried about anything. The Braves have the 20th easiest schedule. So the Braves you know, might end up being all right and they might end up pulling away with this thing when it's all said and done and all this worrying might be for naught. But the Phillies have been a team that just seems to boggle the Brewers every time they play. So hopefully tonight will go much better for the crew. All right, we're going to wrap up the show today with Chuck's Corner. If you aren't familiar with Chuck's Corner, say you're a first-time listener, welcome aboard. Please subscribe, uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Um, but if you are, you might remember that Chuck's Corner is just a time for me to talk. It's a topics that I care about, something that's going on in my life that isn't sports-related. Um, sometimes it's sports-adjacent, right? But it's, it's usually something that isn't going to involve sports. And the reason I wanted to do this was because I wanted to kind of break it up. Like, I don't want to always be sports, sports, sports. Like, I want you guys to get a peek in behind the curtains. I want you guys to know what's going on that isn't just, here's what I think about the Badgers or here's what I think about the Bucks. Like, I want to have those other moments with y'all. So, here's Chuck's Corner. And the Chuck's Corner we're starting out with is, yes, I am crazy enough to go on a diet. Uh, right before the NFL season starts. That sounds ridiculous, right? I sound like a crazy man, but it's true. I'm not necessarily going on a diet per se. Rather, the fun is over, turn out the lights from 
my wife and I going on, I would say a little bit of a food bender since we got married. We started just kind of living lavishly when it came to food for like a week and a half. It felt great. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, It was awesome to just not worry about calories for a while. Drinking beer pretty much every night, like casually, like not in an alcoholic way. Just having one or two crafts and feeling great about it. Like having one when the workday ended and having one during dinner. And that was kind of the routine. And I loved it. Like I enjoyed like having beer and and sort of living my life a little bit differently than I had been leading up to the wedding. And I wasn't as stringent with my diet as my fiance, well, now wife, but at the time my fiance was. She was really hardcore about it down the stretch. Like she did a really good job, was really resistant to a lot of things she loved. And I just can't do that. Now, what I did do, which I want to carry over, and this is part of that diet, is going to cutting out carbs in one of my meals per day. So one meal a day does not have any carbs. And that means like I usually really like bagels or muffin, English muffins for breakfast. Like that's usually my go-to for breakfast. And if I'm having carbs in the evening, then I'm gonna cut that, I'm gonna cut out that. I'm gonna try to have eggs or maybe yogurt or whatever. So to to kind of bring it to my Chuck's corner is like going on diet right now is not the best idea. Some people are like, Charlie, it's football season. Like you should be going to have wings, like you should be just going all out, like just drinking all the time, like you should be living the fucking life. Look, I would love to, but if I did that, I would end up being a fucking house. Like the the moment where I was like, all right, this is over, was I was just aimlessly scrolling uh, Twitter, listening to Rosillo's podcast, eating trail mix in my in my kitchen. I'm like, and this was right before I started taping, and I started to get a stomachache because I ate too much trail mix. And I was like, all right, this is done. Like we are done with this, and I'm gonna get on a scale on Friday, and it's probably gonna fucking suck. I'm not gonna lie to you. I've been battling this foot thing. It's kind of like plantar fasciitis, so I can't run. I'm going to just be on the bike all week, so hopefully that works out. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where getting back on a diet is is hard. It's never a good time to get back on a diet. I can still remember when I was my heaviest. At one point, I was 340 pounds. Like, I was a complete house. And I just let myself get out of control because I didn't monitor my eating. I was just eating everything in sight. I was not paying attention to how I was measuring things out. It was it was an absolute mess, which is something we can talk about another time. But I remember that I was getting on a plane to San Francisco for work for a week where I knew I would be eating out. I knew that it would be kind of this luxurious thing. And I told my girlfriend at the time, now wife, and I was like, I can't, I can't start a diet when I'm in San Francisco. Like, what am I doing? And she's like, if you don't start it now, you just never will. And so I did it that week. I lost like, I barely lost any weight. I brought a scale with me. Like I brought my scale with me to San Francisco to kind of show myself how serious I was. I worked out in the morning, I think three or four times. I can't remember. But still like that to me was a huge confidence boost to say, all right, you busted your ass, you got in there, and now like you you kind of showed yourself. You showed that you were able to do that. And like for me this time around, like I'm not going to be as restrictive as I was pre-wedding, but I'm at least going to look at it and say, "All right, keep that carbs at twice a day." And then also, yeah, 
enjoy a craft beer every now and again. You don't have to say only drink craft beer on Friday and Saturday because to me that sort of put craft beer on a pedestal. I wouldn't. I'd only drink about four per per Friday Saturday. But still, I was like putting on a pedestal versus just being like, all right, it's just craft beer. And that's kind of when I want to normalize it and drink it a little more, I would say, more frequently and if it works for my diet. If it doesn't and I'm like, all right, I'm not losing any weight, guess what's the first thing's going to go? Beer. But I'm eating less desserts, I've noticed. That kind of was one of those things that naturally happened where I just, I'd get done with dinner and I would have no reason to go back into the kitchen and I just wouldn't. And that's to me sometimes the hardest thing is you go into the kitchen and you're like, oh, I got to eat something. No, you don't. Like you, you, if you, if you do like just eat fruit or do something like that. So going back on a diet, I've probably talked too long about this. Let me look. Oh no, I'm on six minutes. I'm not too bad. I thought I was, you know, when you start talking about yourself, that's the problem with Chuck's Corner sometimes is like, you're like, oh, am I talking too much about it? And it's like, ah, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. But I guess the, the theme of this is like, you can start a diet or you can go and get healthy whenever you fucking want. Just because it's the start of the football season doesn't mean dick. Like, sure, the part of my takes of the world are going to be like, oh, who would go on a diet, right? They would make jokes about it and everything like that. There are ways around it. If you want Sunday to be your cheat day, quote unquote, like I have cheat days, like Friday and Saturday are usually days where I don't care too much. Friday more than Saturday. I think Saturday I start toning it in, start dialing it in a little bit, and then Sunday I might not track, but I'm still really cognizant of what I'm eating. But if you say you want Sunday to be your fucking day where you just go crazy, like schedule how you weigh yourself around that then. Be like, all right, so Sunday's the day. Weigh yourself on fucking Saturday then. Like go work out Saturday. That means you're sacrificing your Friday if you want to. And you're sacrificing Friday and then you're weighing yourself Saturday and then Sunday you can have a fucking day on Sunday or weigh yourself on Friday, but be really sure that everything works out. Maybe you get a workout in set, set uh, maybe you get a workout in Sunday morning to kind of steady yourself, to get yourself ready to go. Maybe that's what you do. Like there are always going to be solutions. Like you can make every fucking excuse in the book. Like I could say to you guys that I'm not going to work out for another week or I'm not going to weigh myself for another week because I'm not going to be on the treadmill as I'm trying to take care of this foot thing and let it heal. And that's what the doctors have told me. And they're like, you can't run on it for another week. And so I'm like, okay, I could wait for this to heal and then I'd weigh myself. That's a fucking excuse. I could say, all right, I'm going to enjoy the first month of the football season and then I will get back in shape. You know what happens then if you do that? In a month from then, it's holiday season. So then you're like, well, it's Thanksgiving, it's Christmas, it's all that. Like, I suck during Thanksgiving and Christmas with eating. I really do. Like, I can eat with the fucking best of them. But again, it's all about how you just balance that shit out. So I, all I'm saying is, like, it is not the wrong time to start going on a diet it sucks that like how my wedding was structured. Not not my wedding. I, lo- I loved my wedding. I had a great time. But it would have been almost nicer if my wedding was like a week earlier. So it wasn't the first week of football that I was going into it. But if it was if it was a week earlier, I would have had to be like my first like wedding blues was right before right before Labor Day and right before college football. So it, pick your poison, right? 
that to me is like one of those things where it's it's tough, right? It's never going to be easy. It's never going to always work out the way you want it to. But maybe, just maybe, you can make it happen in your own way. So that's what I that's my advice. That's part of Chuck's corner today. I don't think we'll have it tomorrow because I want to do a podcast with Mitch. I want to preview the Packers with Mitch, talk about the NFL a little bit at a larger scale with him, uh, and do a tap in the keg because we haven't done one in a couple weeks. We took off for the wedding, and then last week we were supposed to tape. We were all good to tape, and I'll be totally transparent. I was pretty lazy last week. It was tough for me to get off the mat. It was almost like I, was, I wasn't I was actually physically hungover, but I think I had this emotional hangover. And then the last couple of days, I've started to sort of snap out of it. So I do promise you that Mitch and I, back in the booth, episode 430, we'll be talking NFL football. We'll probably weave in a little college and a little bit of baseball as well. But we'll talk about the NFL in a in primarily uh, in that podcast. So stay tuned for that. Um, and stay tuned for this. Hopefully you like Chuck's Corner. If you guys are like, Charlie, I don't want to hear your diary. So A, it's always timestamped. B, let me know what you want to hear about. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I can do a Chuck's Corner on questions that you guys have. Like, do you guys have stuff you want to talk about that might not be sports related, but you want to just get it off your chest or you need someone else to, to have a, an opinion on it? I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll make it work. But I, I want to do Chuck scoring more often. I have another t- topic to talk about next time. I think some of you will like it. I think some of you won't, but that's okay. Um, so we'll talk about it ne- probably on Thursday. All right, guys. Take care. Have yourself a great Tuesday. I know it's a sucky day to be back in the office, but we'll get through it all together. All right. Take care, Tappers. Have a good one. Bye.